Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. There's this moment where Frank kind of dangles his finger right by the waistband of his like gold Speedo. Uh, and I, my head like exploded <laughs> at 14. I was like, oh my God, what <laughs> is this hardcore pornography? Truly. Uh, <laughs> just absolutely scandalized. <laughs> up san francisco hi i'm trevor campbell and this is you made me queer the show where queer folks wake up extra early to pour glitter in the waffle iron because you deserve a special breakfast that's right every episode i invite a fantastic 2s lgbtqia plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer it's what we've always done it's what we're continuing to do that wake up san francisco was i guess a full house reference i wanted to be part of a morning i'm going to correct that because that sounded like past tense i want to be part of a morning show in some way i am already very much a morning person i am at my best at 6 a.m and then i just rapidly descend throughout the day so if you're listening and you are just looking for that one queer uh sort of old twink dried out twink to you know step up to the mic and uh cough into it call me my contact information will be at the end of the show this is the second last episode of season three as i mentioned before season three is coming to an end just like this year uh it's like an advent calendar really we're just pulling open the little doors to see what we'll find inside. Is it a piece of chocolate? Is it a pog? It depends uh, where your parents shopped. I don't know. I had a lot of advent calendars as a kid. Christ was in Christmas. The holiday season was very Christian and Catholic oriented. But fortunately for us, that Catholicism was also hyper-capitalist. So I got uh, plenty of delicious tiny chocolates in advent calendars. Uh, those weird sort of super sugary chocolates where chocolate is the fifth ingredient, but they were delicious and they were shaped like tiny bells. Anyway, that is not what this episode is about. My guest does not live in an advent calendar. My guest lives outside in the world because my guest today is Brandon Hackett. Lovely Brandon. Brandon is fun. Brandon tells some good stories, uh, some deep cuts, some high-level thinking, which is not a surprise when you learn about Brandon, which you will momentarily from their bio, uh, but just really shows sort of a cerebral philosophical bent on being bent. Uh, I hope you enjoy hearing Brandon's stories, but first let's quickly blaze through Brandon's bio to to whet your appetite, because what a bio it is. Are you ready for this? Brandon Hackett, two T's, thank you very much, is a black and queer television writer, actor, and comedian based in Toronto. He has received three Canadian Screen Award nominations for his writing work on This Hour Has 22 Minutes on CBC and The Beaverton on CTV. His recent writing credits include the upcoming sitcom Shelved, Run the Burbs, Summer Memories, and Tall Boys with a Z. Z if you're in the United States. His pilot, Burn It All Down, is currently optioned with Pier 21 Films. Brandon has also appeared all across film and TV as a performer, including voiceover work for a deliciously titled animated series called Pinecone and Pony. 
Could you ever, if you're a Pinecone and Pony viewer or listener, can you please contact me and tell me everything about this show? And do they need a morning host? Brandon will also be starring in the upcoming movie Paige Darcy in the case of the stoned cat. Made of stone? Or smoking pot? Watch it to find out. Brandon is also an alumnus, uh, singular, of alumni of Toronto's Second City main stage. All sorts of beautiful things there. The head writer of Canada's first all-black sketch troupe called Untitled Black Sketch Project. Brandon does so many things. Brandon is not lazy, as the rumors frequently suggest. That's not true at all. Everyone loves Brandon, and you will too, in mere moments when uh, Brandon pours his voice into your ears. And I run along. So please, please enjoy this conversation, my penultimate season three episode with the wonderful Brandon Hackett. Hey, it's great to meet you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. And congratulations on the uh, podcast awards. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, thanks. Yeah. The um the giant novelty size check was delivered to my house. <laughs> and I've retired. Yeah, so, you know, um what should I do with the millions, Brandon? Oh my god. Um I if I had a if I had millions of dollars, I would uh, pack it all up and I would just get myself uh, the fanciest little woodsy cottage uh, in BC or something. Cute, a little woodsy cottage. Why BC? Uh, I follow this writer <laughs> on Twitter who lives in uh, just sort of outside of Vancouver, and uh, he has this enormous uh, like backyard that's got like multi levels and uh, a huge walkway, and it goes into the forest. And he goes over this dog. Sometimes you see bears. Uh, the the bear part doesn't seem like great but uh <laughs> just the proximity to nature and it just sort of being like right in your your um, backyard is, is really appealing to me and bc is just very beautiful it's very listen you don't have to sell it to me it is beautiful i support this dream 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. so i'm gonna switch to uh, i'm just um uh there we go much better Oh my God, we're, we're golden now. Okay, fantastic. That's beautiful. Um, are you, you're not from BC originally though. No, I'm from here. Uh, I'm from uh, like East, East Toronto. So uh, Scarborough and then Pickering for a little bit. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Great go train stops. Great. <laughs> pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they just kind of look like industrial expanses a little bit. Pickering's got a tiny bit more greenery, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm happier to be here. Are you from, are you from Toronto as well? Or are you from like out of town? I'm, I was born in Oakville, but I moved around a lot, a lot, a lot growing up, including the U.S. So uh -huh. I, I feel pretty nomadic. Remote work has always sort of been my personal ethos mm -hmm. as a human. So this I'm, I'm lucky to be living in an era when, uh, you know, that's accepted. But going back to Scarborough, as yeah. one always does, um, I recently had the privilege to dog to multi pet sit in Scarborough, and it was my first time really spending time in Scarborough and you do need a car, but I was very pleasantly surprised. By what in particular? Like just by, uh, uh, I don't know. Scarborough is spoken about in a certain way yes. and uh, being there, I was like, there are some nice greenery. Mm -hmm. There are great thrift stores and delicious food. Scarborough is uh, excellent for food. Yeah. Scarborough is really, really great. And I mean, I think it's because obviously, <clears throat> It, it certainly when I was growing up there, it was very much a place for working class immigrants uh, and that sort of thing. So you get you get restaurants that are a lot more authentic or a lot more kind of like food as imagined by people who have recently <laughs> been uh, uh, who recently come here from other places. Yes. Um, I, I grew up in Agent Court in particular. Mm -hmm. So and there's a very big Cantonese population there. Um, so the Cantonese. Cantonese food is quite good in that area of the city. And then Markham, I also hear uh, spoken quite well of in that in that regard. All great things. You've heard yeah. it here first, people. Go have lunch in a Agent Court. Is that how we pronounce it? With the G? Agent Court, yeah. yeah. A soft G. G. Perfect. <laughs> so why don't we dive right in? Because listen, you've talked about, uh, you know, returning to nature, uh, letting your sort of feral survivalist nature take over. Maybe you kill a bear on the way. <laughs> Which I really think is the perfect metaphor for the queer experience. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, all we do, isn't it? That's all we do. It's certainly how I spent most of last weekend. Uh, so, Brandon, the reason why I've called you here today, basically, is to shoot a bear 
quote unquote, as you will. And by that, I mean, uh, point the finger of blame once and for all, because we talk these days about, you know, the importance of a safe space. And I really champion a safe space. And I want to give you a safe space to be furious. And so please safely point the finger of blame. Brandon Hackett, who and or what made you queer? Okay. Uh, so that is a very big question. <laughs> I can define it uh, specifically and I can define it quite broadly. Beautiful. Um, I think the broad definition would be um, <laughs> villain songs. <laughs> and then the <laughs> specific, the specific of it would be probably um, the musical Phantom of the Opera. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to take me to Disney Town, but this is much more interesting. That's part of it too. It's all wrapped up in there, but uh, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Phantom, the smash hit Broadway musical that will never like the cockroach of the theater world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It will outlive us all. So, tell me, take me there. How old were you? Where did you see it? Tell me everything. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was seven or eight years i was eight years old so i was in grade uh, uh what do you call it uh, grade three i believe it was i thought you were gonna say grade eight for a second i, and I was like eight. you were smart as hell <laughs> i was, <laughs> I was in my genius. first year of eaton <laughs> <laughs> um i yeah i was in grade three and this is the mm -hmm. first sort of major musical that i'd ever gone to see so this was this would have been around 95 and this would have been um right around the time that uh phantom was still in its 10-year run in toronto mm. so yeah of the few places around the world where phantom had a long extended run toronto was one of them and we even had our own uh cast recording which in my opinion is still the superior cast recording because it had <laughs> rebecca kane and cole wilkinson i mean get out of here yeah and so uh my mom took me to see that she'd seen it a couple times uh before uh just because it was it was around uh, and she took me to see it. And um, I think from the absolute very moment in the beginning when the when they pull the... Do you know anything about Phantom? I have seen Phantom as a child. And I also want to say to your mom, mm -hmm. props, because that's a bold move to see Phantom multiple times and then have mm -hmm. your afterthought be... I think my eight-year-old son's going to like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? She was really, I think she was maybe hungry to take someone <laughs> to a show or to be Fair. taken to a show because she was a single mom, you know? And Yeah. You know, it's it's sort of tough, so. Just going alone. So there you were. Okay, so yes, I've seen Phantom. I saw it in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I did not know what the hell was going on as a child. <laughs> it's a pretty nutty show in a way. And it, it thinking about it now as an adult, I'm like, there's no real reason that should have worked, but it. <laughs> has and it you know it's only now just closing on broadway but uh, -huh. uh so uh yeah from the moment that they um pull the cloak off of the chandelier at the beginning the aged chandelier uh and you see pyrotechnics you see this old chandelier you know uh rise to the top of the of the theater the top of the ceiling and again i guess it's very important and very significant that uh, Phantom had a very long run at the Pantages Theater in Toronto because I think the theater was refurbished in order to be able to hold the amount of spectacle that Phantom requires. We were big into that at the time. We did that for Miss yes. Saigon too, the Princess of Wales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was, it was that was built for uh, for the helicopter. For the helicopter. Right. So bizarre. Anyway, so yeah. back to you. And uh, yeah, I was just, I did not know what to expect going in. I remember seeing all the TV ads with the, you know, <laughs> eight seven two 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 uh, voicemail. They really pimped out that chandelier drop. That They really, yeah. that was the marketing lead. They really, yeah, no, they, they were, <laughs> they really wanted people to experience that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, from that moment, I was, uh, I was, I, I had no idea what was going on and I was, uh, I was hooked. Um, this sort of like singing and dancing, obviously, I think that's not unusual for a lot of young queer, uh, certainly young queer boys, mm. um, sort of loving musical theater. But I think what really got to me about Phantom of the Opera was that it was so dark uh, and edgy mm. and moody, uh, all of which I think are qualities that are very um, shared by a lot of young queer boys, even if they're not like goth or whatever. Yeah, totally. There's something about it's certainly villains, but yeah, I don't, you know, maybe because we grew up in an era when, I mean, I don't know your experience of sort of queerness and the zeitgeist as a child, but you know, you weren't one of the golden kids. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No. 
uh, you were constantly, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's also the like young queer boy that was like, uh, you're friends with the teacher a little bit. Yeah. You hang out. Have you seen that meme of Timothy Chalamet standing next to Tilda Swinton? Mm -hmm. And it's like, um, every like queer kid and their second grade English teacher. <laughs> it's, and he's just looking yeah. up at her like adoringly and so i i see it yes. i imagine it a hundred percent teacher's favorite kid uh everyone else's least favorite kid <laughs> um so then yeah what i also loved about phantom was uh wrapping up the disney into it i was a huge fan a few years before when it had come out of uh the little mermaid sure. massive fan yeah. uh and I, I remember watching that vhs uh, like 20 times a day, just obsessed with it. It's so good. It's amazing. It's a great movie. Uh, it saved uh, Disney for, for good and for bad. But uh, <laughs> so watching, you know, that number that the Phantom does with Christine, where he's like, sing, sing for me. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, all I could see in that was Ursula and Ariel. And that was just like a quick point of connection. And I just became absolutely obsessed with the show uh, from that point because I, it was just sort of like, okay, here's another villain who is, you know, trying to possess uh, a woman's voice in, right. in whatever way. And obviously for the Phantom, there are uh, weirder connotations, <laughs> but it's still, you know, it, it's still to me anyway, as a young boy, it was a very um, interesting, significant. What an interesting parallel that I've never thought of before in that, yeah, there were a lot of bad people trying to steal the ingenue's voice mm -hmm. and in, in this situation did you because we've already talked about sort of the the kinship you felt with the villains but were you the christine ariel in this situation or were you a bit like i want to steal someone's voice <laughs> <laughs> i that's a very good question i don't even know if i saw myself in that situation <laughs> i feel like i identified with the phantom because i uh i also just really loved uh his cape great cape and his <laughs> mask <laughs> and i think i really just loved um that kind of archetype of the masked the masked man in the cape and he's dressed in all black so phantom yeah. batman and zorro and darth vader and uh yeah you know just that type of thing i just got really obsessed with for a very long time well you're wearing like a black cardigan now that is not completely unlike the phantom's cape <laughs> yes exactly exactly <laughs> the receipts check out <laughs> my big glasses cover my face and <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah whereas Ur Ur ursula had that sort of like the sort of scallop bra front she was famously you know no shoulders in that outfit yes yes and yeah. she was designed after uh divine divine right. was the the sort of like model for her makes sense yeah imagine divine in the the live action remake they're making now R.I.P. i wish i absolutely wish it's was it it's melissa mccarthy now? melissa mccarthy i think which you know she's great in absolutely everything she is she's really really yeah. good but i i almost feel like ursula screams for a drag queen i know I really think that that, uh, that kind of works. Can we, like, you know how when TLC went back out on tour, they did a hologram of Left Eye? Don't we have enough footage we can make a hologram of Divine? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think Pat Carroll is still alive, interestingly enough. The, the voice. Okay. Uh, is it Pat Carroll? Who did the From voice? From the to, film. Yeah, and she's probably in her yeah. 90s or so, but she still goes to, she still goes to, like, conventions, that sort of thing. And if you ask her, she'll still do the, you know, and don't underestimate the importance of body language line. Oh, my God. She's absolutely wonderful. Wouldn't so that be a great ringtone? And they should bring her. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. I mean, it hasn't been released yet. You've no. got some TV poll. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Through my, my powers in Canadian television, I can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly see what they can do. Make a phone call. <laughs> okay, so you were there. So eight years old in the theater. Mm -hmm. Something about this sewer dweller, this, this voice stealing sewer dweller is really yeah. hitting you in the gut. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. And I don't know if at the time I, I don't think at the time I was sort of like, uh, had connected it to that kind of, um, the academic way in which we all connect now, you know, being young queer people to identifying with outcasts or identifying mm. with, uh, certainly for queer boys, a lot of the time identifying with like women or, or like worshiping divas and that sort of thing. Um, I, I don't know if I was sort of like intellectually tuned into that sort of stuff. I think I just liked that kind of mysterious, dark brooding, uh, kind of guy, uh, you know, guiding a woman's voice or taking a woman's voice or, or whatever, you know, maybe it just was sort of like someone dressed very nicely who had a soft appreciation for 
<laughs> for even <laughs> music or aesthetics. Maybe that mm-hmm. was what I was relating to. But then, yeah, that sort of spun its way into me loving kind of uh, villain songs and like Disney musicals and that sort of thing and general minor key music. <laughs> Were you already a big music theater fan at the time? At the time, no, I had never seen a musical before Phantom of the Opera. Oh, that was your first one. That was my very first musical. I, I probably had seen maybe like small ones. What an intro. Yeah, I mean, that 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 was one that, that kicked off. I think a lot of people have that sort of first musical that really kicks off a love yeah. of the form. And that was obviously for me. Um, the big one. I know for a lot of people, it's Les Mis too. And yeah. Yeah. For me, it was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah. Uh, which um, it was really around the same time as Phantom, but mm-hmm. just at a different theater. And that, but that sort of speaks to my more. I was always a bit more of like, you are a Phantom and I'm a, I'm like one of the B side characters in Masquerade. Like, that's my aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's absolutely fair, and that's probably a more nuanced uh, <laughs> way of <laughs> Please. seeing. No, not at all. I just want something with sparkles on it. Um, <laughs> okay, so then you said it goes back to sort of uh, the, were you where were you taking me? Disney villains now? Yeah, Disney villains and, and sort yeah. of any kind of like musical thing. But yeah, yeah, so so minor key, right? That's right. Minor key, yeah. So uh, my favorite songs, kind of going forward, in a lot of Disney shows were. You know, like be prepared from the Lion King. Yes. yes. Uh, and, um, uh, well, I mean, obviously, Poor Unfortunate Souls. Uh, and the Beast doesn't have any songs in Beating the Beast. Does Jafar have any songs? He has a reprise. He doesn't have a full oh, yeah. song. But it, it is a kind of, it is a sort of minor version of Prince Ali. And it's very That's right. short. And I love that. I love a nice minor key <laughs> reprise. Sure. Love a minor <laughs> reprise. That'd be yeah. a great drag name for you too. The minor reprise. Oh yeah. Minor reprise. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. It's yours. And, uh, and my other favorite Disney movie when it came out was, uh, because it also reminded me of Phantom very much was, uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. Hmm. Cause it had, uh, again, it had that sort of like ugly or, or, disfigured or or outcast who was you know shunned by society because he looked to them monstrous or seemed to them monstrous yes edward scissorhands syndrome mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were you and a fan of that too i was but i came to it quite late actually ah uh, fair yeah. and i will say about hunchback if you notice me just go a little silent at the time that's because my family where i was raised intensely catholic uh-huh. and we had a period where we were boycotting disney because they owned miramax and they released this movie called priest about a priest who has sex god forbid <laughs> um and so hunchback and mulan and pocahontas which yeah. should certainly be canceled all came out at that time so we weren't allowed to go see any of them so i've never seen or hercules too i've never seen them Oh, really? Well, you still Did, haven't seen them or? No, because now I'm like, if if you don't see them when you're little, is it, uh, will I be able to really put, like, which one should I watch, Brandon? You should watch all of them, uh, really? I would say. I, I, Even Pocahontas? No, no, don't watch Pocahontas. Okay, no, For sure, no, don't no, watch no. that one. Um <laughs> but I would say, I mean, there's a lot to, I mean, even if just to kind of see when Disney's animation was kind of at its new um, zenith, its new peak, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to kind of like look at. But also like, I mean, I, I loved Hercules. I really, really, I, you know, Hercules is a lot of fun. There's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. design elements like Gerald Scarf, who, uh, who did the... Um, the jacket animations for the Pink Floyd the Wall album. Oh, so cool. He did the character designs for this movie. Oh my gosh. And uh, a lot of the jokes. It's a fun kind of clash of context sort of movie. A lot of fun kind of uh, cultural <laughs> jokes that <laughs> reference like antiquity and, and Greek culture and that sort of thing, but trans- transposed to kind of today, today things. Oh, so fun. I should watch it. The only thing I really know about that movie is I have a bunch of friends who played the muses on Disney Cruise Lines. Oh, yeah. So I just know that like big opening number. Oh, I love that number. I love that number so much. Great song. Zero to Hero. Zero to Hero is very fun. Uh, <laughs> no, well, and also like one of the, I'd say one of the best, uh, one of the best like ballads uh, is in Hercules. Um, oh. One of the most nuanced uh, is it minor? No, it's Boo. not. <laughs> Get out. But it, it's a soulful song. <laughs> okay. You made me queer. You made me queer. We'll be right back. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now back to more You Made Me Queer. You made me queer. So you grew up very Catholic, you were saying, right? Yes. So I grew up, I went to a Christian elementary school. <gasps> so not quite you. Catholic, but very, but still very um, conservative and very. Yeah, still shame-based. Not as shame-based. So oh. I went to Catholic high school, but I went to Christian elementary school. Catholic high school was very shame-based. Christian elementary school was sort of shame-based, but like. I find with uh, when you just sort of go to wider kind of Protestant Christianity, depending mm-hmm. on whatever um, w- w- where you sort of fall within that sort of spectrum, yeah, uh, it was way more of a like Jesus is your friend kind of thing. And if you fail <laughs> right. Jesus, and you know you, you, you know you're, you're made to feel bad if you fail Jesus, but ultimately Jesus is your friend all the time. And then cool. I thought it was the opposite. Instead of like constantly school. disappointed in you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Great. Well, good for you, Brandon. That's great. But it's, uh, <laughs> so that's significant then because with Hunchback of Notre Dame, I was really, really drawn to it, obviously because of what I saw as parallels to Phantom. Uh, but then also, uh, to how kind of dark and how dark it was with regards to its approach, uh, with like the church and religion and whatever, or not necessarily mm. religion, but you know, the, the main villain is a, a, a judge who keeps Quasimodo locked up in a tower and he keeps, uh, he, you know, he keeps invoking sort of the power of Jesus or whatever, the power of God, the power of the Lord or whatever, and just yeah. sort of hold himself as, um, a, a morally superior person when in fact he's just an evil villain. Absolute trash. This also tracks with what you said at the beginning with that if you had a million dollars, you would go live in the woods. You're mm-hmm. talking also a lot of, I mean, this is your, this <laughs> is the the prologue to your Disney story or your mm-hmm. phantom. It's like you find that nice space where you get to be kind of removed and have a bit of a sanctuary. I can see the appeal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're making those I mean, I'm reaching, which is what we do on this show. So <laughs> it's a good reach. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what is kind of, you know, becoming a, a secret mysterious man, uh, if not going into the woods and being secret and mysterious and, and living there for a long time. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So, okay. So Hercules, I, I keep derailing you with talking about my Catholic shame. Please, where were you taking me next? Yes, so yes, yeah, so Hunchback, and it's sort of like dark, brooding, sort of whatever. Right. And the villain song in that movie is uh, super inappropriate, in my opinion, <laughs> for kids. But it was my favorite song on the entire soundtrack. So uh, basically, what happens is Judge Claude Frollo, who is the villain, and and but also Quasimodo's uh, adoptive father. He is obsessed with Esmeralda, who is the Roma woman uh, who has become friends with Quasimodo. Mm. And that whole song is about how he has a fiery, uh, how, he is, how he is intensely horny for Esmeralda. Uh, this is what the bad, the villain is singing. This is the okay. villain song. And it is, mm-hmm. it is, it is, it's not like uh, hidden in subtext. It is yeah. more or less, <laughs> he doesn't say horny, obviously. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> But, um, and it's, uh, so he's singing this song about, uh, I want this, I want, uh, Esmeralda so much, please, you know, uh, (laughs) mother of God, let me have her. Right. Right. It's okay if you're like intensely horny, but you refract it through a prayer. Exactly. Yes. Right. Uh, and you know, it is, it is such a, (laughs) such a gross uh, point of view for a song and it is such a weird troubling song, but it was Again, I was maybe 10 years old at this point. Yeah. Uh, and we'd get to that part of the tape, VHS, and I would just rewind it and then watch it over and over again and watch it. Uh, rewind it and watch it and rewind it and watch it. Just the villain song or the, you're saying, not the whole movie? I, I watched the movie a lot, but the villain song I would I would rewind. The villain song. All the time. And did we have like your mom walking by as you're just like two inches from the TV watching this intensely horny song? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I'm sure she would hear it from the other room and be like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Just don't break anything. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're having a good time and you're not, you know, 
doing a crime or something. Wow, so interesting. And how old were you, would you have been at this time? So for for that, I'd have been 10 or so. That would have been around okay. 90s. Well, no, if I was in 95, 96, 97, I'd probably been like nine, eight or nine, maybe. Okay. Still quite young. So th- still quite young, like not quite at the cusp of really like a sexual awakening, really. But no. so interesting that 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 through line of those characters speaking to you, because I get it. You know, it's the heroes in those movies and the ingenues and whatever sing something with passion, but it's usually a bit of like a, I don't know how to get it. I don't know if I deserve it sort of Mm -hmm. underlying idea. And something about what the villains is, they're never hesitant about what they want. Mm -hmm. And so like that, that unbridled passion and like desire, I, I think that's very appealing, like a sort of a power fantasy too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good point. Because like, it is a very common thing as well for people to latch on to, or certainly queer people to latch on to the I Want songs. Yeah, you yeah. Know, because we're all just sort of, especially if you've grown up in very restrictive uh, households or whatever, we're all longing to kind of get out there and experience the world. Oh my God. But yeah, that is a very good point. Like it is sort of a power fantasy to, you know, sing the villain song or, you know, bask in, you know, your evilness or your rejection or your, your differentness. Right. Cause it's not like the, I want song. It's like the, I'm, I'm going to get it song. The yeah. I want times a million. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so you were hungry. <laughs> I guess so. For a very <laughs> passive kid, uh, I guess makes sense. Were you yeah. like shy as well? Very shy. I'm still very shy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I was painfully shy as a child, um, but in my in my core, in my seed, I don't stop talking. So it was a weird <laughs> conflict. <laughs> That's fair. Where was your Where did your shyness stem from? Like, do you have siblings? Were you an only child? Is that why? No, I have an older brother, but I was like, I came out straight out of the gate talking to everyone. Like, there's mm. this. I have this really young memory of me being like six or seven mm. in the hot tub we were on some silly little trip not far away like buffalo or something and i was in the hot tub at like the holiday inn holding court with a group of grandmothers just like chatting away <laughs> and my mom like came and had to like yank me out of the hot tub but that was me from the egg and <laughs> then i just got intensely bullied as queer kids often do and, sure, yeah. you know learned to shut up for 15 to 20 years yeah yeah that's very that's yeah that's i'm sorry about i'm sorry to hear that well that's such a common thing you know it's fine catholicism made it feel like my birthright so you know i i rolled with it absolutely (laughs) well it's so it's so that's so interesting because it's like i kind of think about it in like the the first like tangible like big media thing that i got super 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 obsessed with was fan of the opera and i think that Mm -hmm. became the model for how i tend to enjoy the work the pieces of art that i do enjoy going forward Mm -hmm. but it became such an obsession that uh it became my whole personality for a long time and then that uh that uh people that would annoy people and that was what got (laughs) me not bullied but uh but I got a lot of like, just shut up, Randy. <laughs> I would not stop talking about fan of the opera. Like I remember going to summer camp one year, uh, just like day camp, and uh, I had found the copy of the Gaston Leroux novel, Fan of the Opera, <laughs> and I just was like sitting and reading it. And I remember a lot of the counselors because I had not shut up about that musical the whole time. Yeah, we're like, oh my god, <laughs> like what is he? He's right. got the book now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just a little maniac. It gets weirder and quieter and more antisocial. Uh, I haven't read the book. Does it, do you recommend it as well? You're giving me a reading list today. <laughs> book hmm. is great. Book's a lot of fun. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that the musical takes out, obviously. Um, sure. But, uh, but the book is, the book is a lot of fun. I remember the first time I read Dracula and Frankenstein, both of the books, which were like far superior to any yeah. other interpretation I'd ever seen. Um, so, uh, anyone, if you're still listening at this point and haven't fallen asleep or turned this off, um, enjoy those books. <laughs> we got book nerdy for a while. Um, I love you being at that summer camp. I picture you in like the tallest tree house and you've like pulled up the ladder and they're like, can you just, just come down and make a friendship bracelet just for 10 minutes? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just sitting here. I'm reading Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> You're for the week. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> uh, did you ever dress up like the Phantom for Halloween? 
Uh, I never did, but I definitely wanted to, and I don't know where I would have gotten a costume. Yeah, it's not too late. You know what? It isn't too. I mean, it's it's too late for this year for sure. But it's, it is year. too late. <laughs> uh, but that would be a lot of fun in commemoration of it closing. Um, I mean, that's right. <laughs> That's right. But I, I take a day a, off work. <laughs> <laughs> just a, yeah. I, I dress up as Batman a lot. Just to oh, kind good of one. Bit to that masked, secret masked man theme. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Did you? Is that where we're going, or is that just in another thing? In that, did this translate to sort of superheroes slash supervillains for you? Ooh, um, I don't know if it has translated in super villain. Well, you know, maybe a little bit. Um, because I guess I, I also grew up around the time of, um, like the Tim Burton Batman movies. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And those movies were very, uh, I think one of the criticisms of those movies was that you spent more time with the villains than you did with Batman. And you were like, thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you, Tim Burton. <laughs> That's right. Uh, All you want is to be with Danny DeVito in a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> or like be buddies with Michelle Pfeiffer and her, and her cool whip. Do you know who else brought this up in the show? One of a You Made Me Queer alum, J.P. LaRock, if you know oh, J.P. Oh, yes. They're great. Yeah. The, the great big fan of Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please. It's a classic. It's good. <laughs> it's it's, it's good. very good. It's a weird, a weird movie for a child to latch on to. Yes. Like mainstream speaking, but I totally get it. Yeah. Well, how do you, did you, you've, you've seen it, I assume. Yeah. I, I OG went to the theater. We saw, you know, the Michael, the first Michael Keaton one. Yeah. Um, and we were big into it because they had at the time, you could buy these packs. They were really waxy packs of trading cards. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and inside them, one of the trading cards was just a weird flat piece of gum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all the cards smelled like artificial strawberry yeah yeah yeah. we yeah. loved those so i was like a little too young to see the first one in theaters i was two mm -hmm. years old when it came out but i remember very distinctly very vividly seeing batman returns in theaters yeah uh, so i would have been five when that was in theaters uh and, and you wait you as a five-year-old you went that was pg-13 for sure oh my god my parents i think my parents just wanted to take me to whatever just at any yeah. kind of point just to shut me up for a little bit <laughs> Uh, Your mom was trying to age you up. She's like, I want you to <laughs> converse like an adult. <laughs> I mean, listen, I saw Malcolm X in theaters when it came out and that was 91, 92. I was well, really well that one, I, I get that makes a little more sense, but I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess as far as like, you know, historical yes. sort of worldly importance versus like the, pe the penguin. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but I guess like at, at that time, uh, the 1960s series, was back on like reruns or whatever and people sort of knew batman right with adam that? west yeah so that was and then and then like right after batman returns i think came the animated series okay uh, so i think that was sort of why you had a lot of um kids going to see the the, the batman movie where uh what is it penguin says pussy i think a couple times <laughs> oh my god <laughs> probably and i'm like what does that mean yeah and this was the era just before whoever did batman and robin started mm. putting anatomical nipples on the costumes joel schumacher yeah joel schumacher yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there were no nipples in batman returns i don't think there were not and yeah it, it's to its detriment. Of, to its detriment. I agree. I agree. The one thing Joel Schumacher got right for his two Batman movies was the nips, uh, the nipples, and the butts. Yeah. Yes. Nips and butts. That's all that nips kids want to see. That's what Batman. they should have called it. That's all kids want. <laughs> Absolutely. Hundred yeah. uh, percent. Okay. Sorry. I. Wow. Where it's so hard to go back to the thread that was leading us through. Oh, I'm just jumping all over, but no, I love this. I love this about you. Uh, but yeah, I guess to answer then your question, like, does it lead to sort of like villains? I'm thinking, as I'm thinking still in terms of like minor key songs, like, um, <laughs> and villain songs. I mean, uh, minor key is very, uh, oh God, what's his name? The big Tim Burton composer, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yeah. Yeah. Very mi Everything's minor. Everything's minor key with him. Yes. Uh, and I think I just liked, I guess how I'm going to interpret this now is that, um, that led me to the type of, oh, here's, here's where we go. Hmm. Um, so it led me to sort of like weirder musicals eventually, not always in sort of minor key, but like that had a sort of minor key feel to them, if okay. that makes any okay. sense. So, uh, the first sort of like big movie musical I got into was, uh, Tommy, the, whoa yeah film adaptation of the album by the who yeah 
And that was my like big, uh, that was my big, uh, they were my big band when I was in high school, if only because I had watched the movie just randomly on, on TV one night and thought it was total trip. Yeah. Just absolutely so weird and, and, uh, and, and silly. Uh, but then getting into that sort of getting to sort of like rock opera and, and kind of like, um, more seventies kind of glam eyesed version of rock songs. That's what led me to become absolutely obsessed as I was a phantom obsessed with, um, the Rocky horror picture show. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And as a film or as a stage show, uh, initially as a film and then eventually okay. a stage show. But yeah, the film was like, uh, I, I was just home on Halloween, my first year of grade nine. So I was like 14 years old and I mm-hmm. knew about the Rocky horror picture show kind of loosely because I guess I'd accidentally seen bits and pieces on TV before. I remember there's like a Drew Carey show episode where they, they, Oh yeah, that's right. So I kind of roughly knew what it, that it was a cultural thing, but I had no idea what it was and it looked kind of scary and weird, but it was on uh, much more music used to play it every Halloween. Plus RIP. <laughs> RIP much more music. A lot of great yeah. late night discoveries. Um, so good. Yeah. That's also like a big queer thing. I feel is like late night, discoveries late night tv in canada like showcase yeah we had a lot of like fringe channels that would show things at night where i was like no one's ever referenced this in the world the suburban world in which i operate this is a secret universe yes yes like red shoe diaries or something oh my god yeah weird (laughs) sort of like very softcore porn Uh uh uh-huh everything's like gauzy focused um, there's yes. always a saxophone playing. Oh my God. There is a show on showcase that used to play super late on like Fridays or whatever with like, yeah, soft focus, kind of like neon sex scenes called, uh, I think Latin lovers. Oh, it sounds great. It was 2000. <laughs> it was like 2001 or something like that. Like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the best we could do. But I <laughs> remember that very vividly. Um, oh my God, but I yeah, so, so Rocky horror. <laughs> Yeah, Rocky Horror. I got mm-hmm. uh, so I watched it uh, and just became absolutely without even understanding what exactly it was doing. You know that it was a pastiche of these sort of RKO pictures, old horror movies, and that sort of thing uh, with 1950s sort of rock music. Uh, I had no idea what it was doing, but I became so deeply, profoundly obsessed with it uh, and obsessed with its. Again, now I'm I'm getting a bit more metaphorical with a minor key sort of thing, but obsessed <laughs> with its uh, its flaunting of sexual perversion, <laughs> and it's like you know that as being like kind of fun and 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 you know and, and challenging and, and interesting. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's such a, a championing of freaks. I use mm-hmm. big air quotes around that word. Yeah, yeah. And and again, because I went to initially Christian school and was, and, you know, at this point had been going to a Catholic school for a couple months now at this point, that was uh, another kind of cathartic, uh, just a cathartic piece of art for me to get into. And especially yeah. at that time, I was very, very conservative, very scared of how I felt <laughs> about myself and what how I knew mm-hmm. that I was and, and all those things. So I was very heavily, very deeply in denial and would be for a couple more years. Right. Um, in grade nine, that's a really, you said 13 or 14, like a really pivotal time. And that movie yeah. is so, even though, you know, it's it's skewed and in broad, but intensely sexual, like from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and every, no one is left untouched in that movie. Like a lot of the time you have sort of the the innocent folks go to the sort of like perverted, strange new world and then they escape but both brad and janet really come out of that perverted yeah 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 they come to their credit really changed (laughs) yeah (laughs) and they have like no idea what's just happened to them and and uh you know have you ever watched the sequel shock treatment (gasps) no and i've never even heard of it this is your first time hearing about shock treatment okay so look at the world you're taking me into (laughs) <laughs> so this is more you gotta you gotta check it out uh okay you need to check it out because it's still along that minor key kind of thing that i'm talking about i gotta quit my job there's a lot i have to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so rocky horror has a sequel called uh shock treatment and that was released in the early 80s uh some of the cast return but it's like a different story uh the characters of brad and janet are back but they're played by cliff de young and uh jessica harper jessica oh. harper if you might remember or if you've ever seen phantom of the paradise no 
No, uh, I'm trash. The the original Suspiria. <laughs> yes. So she's the lead in Suspiria. Oh yes, of course. She's that's Jessica Harper, and she's a really lovely, rich uh, kind of like uh, deep alto. Mm. Uh, so she plays Janet in this movie, and she is uh, she's great. She's got a couple of really, really, really great songs. And then the other cast that actually do return would be Richard O'Brien, uh, Little Nell, uh, Patricia Quinn, Charles Gray, wow. uh, and then the actors who play Brad and Janet's friends, Betty Hapshat, sorry, Ralph Hapshat and Betty, uh, I guess also Hapshat because he got married at the beginning of the movie. This is very impressive. Is this because yeah. you're a super fan or you have an encyclopedic knowledge of film and TV? It's, uh, I'm a super fan. My, okay. <laughs> my brain's not so good, but uh, <laughs> So, and that was also a much more music watch. Um, yeah. So, a, and, it, and it's basically, it's, it takes place in a, uh, it takes place, they go back to their hometown, Denton, Ohio. Yes. But their hometown is like a TV studio. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone in their hometown just hangs out in the rafters of a TV studio or uh, as a studio audience. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's kind of them navigating their marital woes uh, on like a reality show. On like a soundstage. On a soundstage, yeah. And so it's like weird. a reality show before reality shows existed. It's a, it's very weird. It's such a weird thing. But the music is kind of, there's elements of like new wave, uh, you know, early 70s or early uh, 80s kind of like that punky new wave kind of sound. Uh, it's really fun. And I think you should check it out if you, if you this, like Rocky Horror at all. This sounds great. I'm going to go right now. Great talking to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's back up to, because again, yeah. mentioning uh, Rocky Horror Show. So you were sort of 13, 14. So was that, was that a sexual experience for you? Like, were there characters in that, that you felt an attraction to beyond just, I want to be a villain in a castle? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So uh, Are you a meatloaf man, uh, Brad man? <laughs> What's your fancy? Frankenfurter? Uh, you know what? I feel like it shifted over the course of my life. So uh, when I saw when I first saw that movie, there was nothing more <laughs> like erotic to me yeah. than Rocky and Rocky Horror. I get it. <laughs> Which, and like, I mean, I think it's the, the most obvious choice in that movie sure. because he's, he's wearing a gold speedo yes he's like yeah. this gorgeous muscle man and there's this moment where frank kind of dangles his finger right by the waistband of his like gold uh speedo uh and I, my head like exploded <laughs> like 14 i was like oh my god what <laughs> is this hardcore pornography Truly. am i watching erotica right now uh, <laughs> just absolutely scandalized and uh and that's also one of those movies that i had to kind of like i don't know if this is something you had to do when you were young but like you kind of riding the uh, the, the last channel button yeah oh yes or the, the mute button brief channel button yeah. yes now, for anyone listening under 30, you don't know what we're talking about. We used to watch shows broadcast on a television, and there was sometimes like a last channel button, which yeah. you could switch between the last channel you were watching so you didn't have to click through one by one. And that's what little queer kids used, or maybe other kids, I don't know, when they were watching something that probably would have got them called out or in trouble. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Uh, so Latin lovers on one and then like, <laughs> I don't know, Golden Girl. No, Golden Girls is also queer. Then it would be like, I don't know, football on the other. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You, you choose the most obvious, uh, you know, mask thing right. to, to watch and be like, yes, don't worry. Like, I'm just here watching, uh, you know. I'm loving golf. Yes. Yeah. Friends. No friends. Shame, shame. Yeah. So, uh, but Rocky, yeah. So Rocky Horror was like, uh, like I just, he, he was the absolute most hottest thing I've ever seen. I feel mm. like the older I've gotten and sort of where I am in my life, I'm more of a Brad, uh, <laughs> major. Sure. We love point. a nerd. Yeah. yeah buttoned up kind of dork is kind of so cute. Yeah. And I bet you he's real freaky once he really like gets to know himself in this new world. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You see shades of that, uh, on the floor show where, you know, sure. He sings that high note. He's really kind of discovering things in himself. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely for Brad. Yeah. God's work. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a delicious one. You've really given us a lot to chew on here, Brandon. Uh, so, so is there anything else? Because we are running out of time, unfortunately. Okay. But is there anything else you would like to throw under the bus? Throw under the bus. Okay. Well, um, I mean, 
if I'm going for minor key, I'm, I'm going to abstract it a tiny bit more away from some music. I appreciate someone who sticks to a thesis. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, from Rocky Horror, I went to Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, and oh my God. It's just truly the best. Yes, absolutely. I, I lived for that. That, that, that became a thing I was obsessed with in grade 11. Uh, and then that, by that point I was a bit more okay with being queer. I, I at yeah. least had come out to myself. Okay. Uh, and then, is this yeah. the film, the John Cameron Mitchell film? This is a film. Yeah. It's just, it's flawless for me. It is. Yeah. I, I think that was the first movie I'd ever seen where I was like, this is perfect. There's no, no notes, <laughs> zero notes. <laughs> no notes. No, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. <clears throat> Love that. Uh, and then, yeah. And then I guess just from that, I mean, you know, uh, just underdog stories or, or stories about, um, people who are on the seedier side of the tracks or who, you know, outlaws, misfits, that sort of thing. That's sort of how I, uh, that's sort of what maybe queer is. I love it. The villains mm. and the underdogs. Mm -hmm. Please. And yeah. now you're neither as someone who's become, you know, adored and enormously successful. Uh, that's very kind of you to say <laughs> well it's true so you can no longer be an underdog so the only option left is to become a supervillain. that's true that's true you need to use your your clout for evil i guess i have no choice uh if, <laughs> if you say it that way yeah. you've heard it here yeah yeah gotta go commit some crimes the final day of benevolence uh so brandon this has been an absolute pleasure and i have so many more mm -hmm. questions to ask you and unfortunately uh we just don't have the time so before I let you go, would you like to play a game? Absolutely. Oh, thank God. Yes, a little more time. So this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queerer, Queerist! Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you three things. Your job is to put them in order from least to most queer and tell me why. Okay. Any questions? No. Uh, no. Let's go. Okay. Okay, great. Let's go. Thing number one. The experience of having a freshly, I'm going to say this again. The experience of having a freshly, <laughs> why is this? The experience, <laughs> the experience of having a fresh cup of coffee served to you with lipstick on the mug. Mm -hmm. So that, that moment, clocking that lipstick, yes. it's a fresh cup. Thing number two, I wonder why that took me three tries. What was the psychic block there? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, <laughs> but I will forever be thinking about it. Yeah, that's one for my therapist. Uh, thing number two, a union suit butt flap. <laughs> so we've got a nice onesie. Yes. What's the, the butt flap? Okay. Thing number three, the pitch and intensity with which... Catherine O'Hara screams Kevin in Home Alone. <laughs> okay. All right. So those are your three things. And I'm going to say it again because uh, I'm not a quitter. The lipstick on a cup. Thing number two, union suit butt flaps. Thing number three, the pitch and intensity with which Catherine O'Hara screams Kevin in Home Alone. Least to most queer and why? Okay. Union suit butt flap is that, that's like, uh, you're talking about like a union army. What's a union suit? Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, maybe there's a different way to contextualize it, but like, uh, it's like the back of the, it's like a miner, like an old miner wears that uh -huh. like pajama suit and the butt flap comes undone. Great. Okay. All right. That's, uh, that's perfect. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> queer, queer, queer. <laughs> uh, okay. I would say the union suit butt flap is queer. Okay. Uh, simply for, uh, the sake of the, the butt flap providing e easy access for whatever. Sure. And, um, I think everyone's wearing like boiler suits, kind of like onesies nowadays. That's their very end. Yeah. So I feel like that is a kind of like, that is a queer adapted piece of reclaimed clothing. I do like a jumpsuit, although those don't have butt flaps. Those don't, but they should. They should, they should more yeah. butt flaps. <laughs> Brandon Hackett, 2023. Yeah. Um, okay, go on. Where, where are we for queerer? Queerer, I would say um, the the lipstick. The lipstick on the coffee mug would be queerer for me. Mm. Uh, if only because, uh, you know, if that were served to me, it could be anyone. It could be 
a woman hitting on me mm. uh, or it could be, you know, just some lovely iconography from, uh, you know, a movie <laughs> starring uh, Gina Davis or something like that. Oh, totally. So it could be anything. So it's a little bit offset by the potential for it being a little bit s- uh, straight. And then, yeah, I would say Kevin is queerest. Oh my God. I love that. Why? Kevin is queerest because uh, Catherine O'Hara's, haircut uh at the time (laughs) and the it it, she just the just the pitch with which she so the the tone and pitch i think is what you were saying the 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 pitch and intensity if i can be precise pitch and intensity that's the perfect is perfect uh pitch and intensity of abjection you know (laughs) like in the way that like when drag queens uh, are burlesquing femininity they're also showing uh, abjection they're showing how it can be sloppy and messy and you know they're showing how funny it is when uh someone falls flat in their face kind of deal that is the perfect kind of frequency (laughs) that represents abjection (laughs) the same abjection that a drag queen for less femininity would if that makes any sense i does i love that and as what was the drag queen name we gave you earlier something french oh uh um mina mini oh something <laughs> if you were listening you remember the only thing you should perform is that kevin shriek you just come on and do that and you're out <laughs> that's your number yes yes i'll set up for like a good five minutes like i'll have a, right. a whole like whatever like get my makeup done for so long the whole phantom overture plays <laughs> and then just that <laughs> yes done Love okay that. Beautiful responses. Let me check your marks because we are a very academic enterprise here, Brandon. Of course. Uh, da, 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 da. Congratulations, 100%. Brandon, you are, in fact, a queer person. Oh, my God. Hooray. Thank you. Congratulations. No notes. <laughs> <laughs> Love this. So thank you so much. And, Brandon, before I say goodbye, anything you want to plug? Oh, uh, anything I want to plug. So uh, I will be, well, when is this, when will this be coming out? This is a great question. I would say, uh, I mean, this is a bit, you're getting a peek behind the scenes here, people. This Mm -hmm. is normally a conversation we'd have in private. Let's say a few weeks from now. Okay. Can we keep it that vague? That sounds great. Okay. Uh, Wonderful. So, uh, I mean, this, the run might still be going on at this point or it might not be, but whatever, Uh, I'm around. Uh, So I'm in a, uh, I'll be uh, in a run of an improvised farce uh, that's going on at the Tarragon Theater on Howland in Toronto. uh, And it's called Entrances and Exits. And it'll be, uh, it'll be starting December 7th. We'll be running for about two or three weeks. I forget. I should check (laughs) to make sure. It's fine. You're not the publicist. No, I'm not. And and we'll have uh, several guests. Like we'll have Colin Mockery, uh, Ennis Esmer. Uh, A lot of fun people are coming to to join us. So uh, if you like bars, if you like theater, if you like improvisation, if you like even just one of those things, please do come check it out. We do have pay what you like dates as well. Uh, and check it out, entrances and exits. Okay, that sounds great. This will definitely be out in time. And even, you know what, people, even if it comes out and there's like two days left and you're like, that's not enough warning, you can pull it together, do a solid for Brandon. He just gave you an hour of entertainment and education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm mad already. This is why, <laughs> this is my problem. What's wrong with you people? Just come, I know. come to the show. No, just be, just go for Brandon. You're not going for me. Don't worry. It's not for me. Go for Brandon. (laughs) Uh, So thank you, Brandon, because not only was this an absolute pleasure, I was pretty queer when this conversation started and talking to you has truly made me queerer than ever. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. This is a lot of fun. I mean, listen, the pleasure was all mine. So go forth back into the sewer, which you call home (laughs) and, uh, and live long and prosper. (laughs) All right. Great. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Bye. Good morning, San Francisco. And that is our show. Uh, please, as always, you can send me your mail. I want it. Send it to you made me queer at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. There's nothing I want for this non-denominational holiday season more than for you to rate, review, and subscribe. And that is an episode. So, cue credits. 
You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our engineer is Sean Ben Beaton. Our theme song is by Critty. For more of her music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every other Thursday. And from the bottom of my big, bent, advent calendar hidden heart, thank you for listening. Until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.